hushed atmosphere. A liver-colored hound, gaunt and red-eyed, growled ominously as Jack stepped up onto the little slab gallery someone had built many years before to shade the square front of the house from summer's everlasting glare in the treeless clearing. He looked appraisingly at the hound, saw the sleepy, annoyed look in its eyes, and walked on up to the half-closed door and banged on it with his gloved fist. There was a squeaking, groaning sound from within, and a thick, heavy-bellied man in a red undershirt with mud-colored eyes and a three-days growth of graying whiskers loomed up in the doorway. Link Tolliver was every bit as tall as Sheriff Masters, even in his bare feet. He was paunchy and sagging, though, where Jack was straight and lean. He nodded owlishly at the sheriff and stood impassively barring the doorway. Jack forced a smile with an effort. Howdy, Link. Was riding by and thought I'd stop in and have a little talk with you. Yeah. The big, heavy-jowled face was wary. Tolliver made no move to ask the sheriff in. What about? Jack shrugged, backed up a little, and sat on the railing that went around the small gallery. He thumbed his black stetson to the back of his head. There was mild annoyance in his eyes at the lack of cow country hospitality in the gross man before him. Without any preliminary, he opened up. There's talk up in town, Link. Some of the folks seem a little irked at your new prices for crossing the river, and some of the boys sort of resent your remarks when they've got their women and kids along. Tolliver shifted a little on his splayed feet his blank eyes balefully on the lawman. Well, songs, it's my ferry. I can charge what I damn well please. Ain't no law governing that. Yet. And if folks don't like the things I say, why then I reckon they don't have to come here, do they? Masters flushed a little and looked away, letting his glance slide over the drowsing hound so that Tolliver wouldn't see the cloudy look in his eyes. No, I don't reckon folks have to cross here, Link. He got off the railing and started for the edge of the porch. Only I thought I'd drop by and let you know that there's some bad blood building up. If I were you, I'd sort of go a little easy. These cowmen around Mendocino haven't been too many years away from gun law, you know, and maybe some of them will get hostile. The lean, capable shoulders rose and fell meaningfully. Somebody might get hurt, and I'd like to see that avoided if it's possible. Tolliver's laugh came out to Jack where he stopped on the path leading to his horse at the hitch rack. Thanks, Sheriff. Link Tolliver's seen his share of trouble, I allow. And I ain't seen anyone hereabouts that could teach him much. Let him come, Sheriff. They'll get the damnedest surprise of their cow-stealing lives. Masters clamped his jaws shut as a hot reply came lunging up from inside. He nodded curtly and walked back to his horse, tightened the cinch, swung aboard, and reined back up the trail toward Mendocino, the town that lay a couple of miles beyond the little swale that hid the view of the Modoc from its sight. In Mendocino, the tag end of a gentle summer had come to a close, 
and the cowmen were left with only one task left undone. They had grassed-out fat cattle to peddle. The hay was up and the firewood was in. The roundups were winding up their arduous labors, and the cowmen were beginning to drift into town to talk in the shade of the old sycamores, where a light carpet of dead leaves betokened winter. Prices, possible outlets, and the condition of critters were the standard norms of daily conversation. Jack Masters watched the repetitive cycle that year, as he had every year since he'd been a young cowboy, newly come to the high uplands of the Mendocino country to put down roots of his own. He was in the Gold Strike Saloon, one of Mendocino's two such establishments, when Wes Florney, his young effervescent deputy, came bouncing in. Masters smiled at the younger man. Say, Jack, did you hear about Ned Prouty? Jack thought of short...